0: Ought to be significant. It ought to be a model or a mold for what we are looking to. And y'all are very accurate in your prophesying. You are very accurate in picking up in the spirit what God is already saying. Not only is He saying those things, He's already prepared, even in 21 and in 20, for 22 to be that year that you spoke. He didn't just show up and say, "Well, how about if we do this?" It takes a lot of preemptive work, as you know and in your own life. So, I'm kind of surprised about this because there's so many things about vision and dreams and we may get to that. But really, what the Lord instructed me to minister on is about gift giving. Gift giving. Change your giving, change your everything. Now, you may be a little put off because of you think, here's another message on God trying to get my money or something, whatever, but you'd be wrong. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Philemon. It's, in, it's uh, on page 1039, if you have a Bible like mine, hallelujah. It's uh, right behind Titus and right in front of Hebrews, Philemon. It's a pesky little book in that when you do a search on the Bible software, it, Pulls up Philippians. So, Philemon chapter 1. Now, let's just, let's just get our foundation right. Everyone knows that you can't build with a bad foundation. That's where the amen goes. Amen. You know, it just doesn't matter. And that is, the, that is the problem. Everybody wants to get there quick. But there's a foundation. And you can only build so high with you're building if you have a bad foundation, one that's not level or one that's broke. And in the kingdom, I would say, I would surmise, maybe you do too, that most Christians do not have a good foundation. They They just think wrong. They believe wrong. They think wrong. And if you listen to Curry Blake and you listen to all the sacred cows that he deposes, you realize a lot of religion and tradition goes into the way we think. And then you get money out there and start talking about money. Well, there's a lot of mess about money. So I just want to think right. It'll be easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light if the foundation is laid. So uh, you'll know the truth. That's what's going to set us free. Sermons don't set us free. Truth sets us free. So that's what we always have to go to. Uh, Not tickle our senses, but lay a foundation then Holy Ghost through revelation to you, to me, individually, you can't teach revelation, then He'll start building on that foundation. He'll start telling you what to do now that you can hold it. He's not sending increase to someone that has no capacity or that can't hold it. So we just prepare a place for Him. We just make a place inside of our heart to grow, to increase, to get things right, to admit we're wrong. How many things? I got, I got a gazillion or a, several messages from way, way back that is like, oh, no. Fortunately, most of them are on cassette, and they have long disappeared. But still, you, just, you change what you believe. And so let's start out with this. If we're going to say foundation, let's say that the kingdom of God breathes, it functions, it lives by communication. Can you say that last word with me? Communication. Dr. Cole wrote a book to men and to everyone, but it's called Communication, Sex, and Money. And he said it's the three things that all men and women have to master if they want to get along with the opposite, the other one. But communication is foundational in the kingdom. Matter of fact, you can see that Jesus, what he did when he was here, is he communicated the Father and the kingdom to everyone. He, he, he wasn't doing details, he did the foundation, and he did it by communication. And you and I are limited, we have a box that's equal to the size of our communication. So if you say, but I'm shy, and I don't like to talk, I don't like to communicate, you are definitely hamstrung. Because it's, it's just nothing you can just say, well, God will give me something else. I can color good, or I can run fast. It just, you can't uh, substitute for communication. It is imperative that we become communicators. And if it's not in our personality, some people are talkers. I'm a talker. Didn't used to be, but I used to, I'm a talker. You have to develop it with your faith, don't you? If you're not a, if you're not a communicator, you are, you are hamstrung. You are hindered. You are limited. You are little. Because there's no place to put the things, the mysteries, the secrets, the treasures of God. There's no place to put them if we can't communicate. Because we can't hear him and we can't release our faith to him if we can't communicate. So communication is essential. And we, we do a lot of what we do opening up our communication. So Jesus communicated the Father and he communicated the kingdom. That's the two things he did in the Gospels. Amen? So look in verse 6 of Philemon. We say chapter 1, but there is just one chapter. Uh, verse 6 says, uh, he's, he's talking and he says that the communication of thy faith. So we could say that word communication, you look it up and it means communion. It's the word koinonia, which is which is uh, communion is that communication, that the communication of thy faith. It means distribution. So the sharing or the communication of your faith becomes effectual. And it also means fellowship or distribution. So getting out of your life, your faith, is essential to living by faith. Okay. Uh, This is so basic. You know, Bear Bryant, this is a football. It's that basic. But if you don't know it, you'll major on the minors. You'll start working on how do I get rich, how do I get healed, and when, when you have to be able to communicate your faith. He said uh, that the communication of thy faith may may become effectual, powerful. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Well, we already did this morning. We testified. I communicate the goodness of God that touched my life. I communicate that I was here and he came in and fixed my problem, or I was not having a problem and he came and raised me up even further. The communication of our faith. We are in constant, there's a river of communication that could be coming out of each of one of us. And when we do that, we increase. Just by uh, uh, you standing up in this congregation, just standing up and sharing, is huge. You know how many people cannot stand up because everybody's looking at them. We've all been there where we didn't want people looking at us, and so we just couldn't do it. And now we're like, uh, okay, you sit down. No, you sit down. We, we don't have time for all your communication of your faith. Uh, truly, that's it. So uh, Dr. Cole says it this way, and I'm going to bear on him for this one point. He said, all communication is by three methods. We communicate or we release our communion or our fellowship by three ways. First of all, we communicate by word. I mean, if you all know, when we talk, we communicate, we say words and they understand the words and then they communicate back based on that communication. But there's two other ways that people communicate. And, you know, they're very important. The other one is gesture. We talk about that often, about how if someone rolls their eye and you catch them, even though it's just the smallest inflection of an eyelid, I mean, just about the smallest thing that you could do but just roll your eye, just lift that one eyebrow, eyelid up, you have communicated. Am I right? Or if you make a gesture with your hand, or if you turn your back on someone, didn't say a word, what? I didn't say anything, but you turned your back. Communication happened. And there's a potential of an offense there. Uh, Not get back to someone that calls you. They say, call me, I need to talk to you. And you just let it ride for three days. Well, that's, that's not speaking, but it's definitely a gesture, and it speaks volumes. So communication is word, gesture, and then spirit. Sometimes you don't have to say anything, and you don't have to have a gesture, but definitely we know what's going on. I, I wrote down two scriptures about spirit how we communicate or how the Lord communicated one of them since Romans 8 14 it says for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God so have you ever been led inside nobody spoke nobody wrote it on the chalkboard but you knew what God was saying it was by spirit and that's powerful and when you're in a bind if God will speak to you you can get out of your trouble and sometimes he'll talk to you and you go, well, "That wasn't that wasn't God, that was Larry. Or that wasn't God, that was Susan. No, it was God, but you just didn't get communicated. So word, gesture, spirit. And all of those are very powerful and we must have all three of them in our life. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. So the word know there we don't communicate with one another anymore after the flesh. We pay no attention to what they said or didn't say. We, they, they didn't show up. We pay no attention. He said, we know man, know man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. He's talking to people that walked with him. Yet now henceforth know we him no more. So how are we going to communicate with the Lord Jesus? By the Spirit. We can talk, but he rarely utters back words that we can hear with our outside ear. It's rare. It has happened, it does happen, but it's, it's rare. That's not, that's not the way to do it. He does it. And gesture, you know, you'd have to seem to get a gesture. So we get our communication or our, our distribution or our fellowship with the Lord by the Spirit. Word, gesture, Spirit. Spirit. Now, how many of y'all would say with me that these are very important to a Christian's life to communicate? To get things out, speak to the mountain. If you don't speak to the mountain, guess what the mountain doesn't do? It does whatever it wants. You ever had that mountain stay in front of you for a while? Yeah, yeah of course we have. So. And then gesture, you can put your hands on your hips and just fume and carry on and and be so mad and not say a word, but that gesture exactly knows what uh, we are communicating. So those are the three ways that we need to master. We need to understand these are things that are important, seemingly unimportant, but very important because they are communication, and communication is the foundation of the kingdom of God. Amen. So I deduced that there's two, there's, that we could communicate by word, gesture, or spirit, but we could put a meaning or a weight on any of those that was either the flesh or the spirit. In other words, you could say words out of context or mean that would be, uh, uh, you know, they, they say that the two scriptures that are in the New Testament is that Judas hung himself. And then another verse says, Go and do likewise. Well, you go, uh, that, it, 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 it's scripture, it's the Bible, but it's set, definitely sending a message, isn't it? So you can communicate by the flesh, and we all have. Or you can walk in love, you can walk in patience, you can walk in, in, uh, in uh, forbearance, when you, or you can get madder and thunder. And we've all been both sides. We've all been both sides. Whether you seethed and said something or walked away or whatever, we know what's going on on the inside and we are communicating that. Sometimes by saying nothing, we are saying volumes. So this is important that we master that, just like it's important that we master our talking. So uh, you can be in the flesh, word, gesture, spirit, or you can be in the spirit, word, gesture, and spirit. And we need to attach, all of us need to attach in 22, we need to attach the spirit to what we communicate. We'll get further faster. We'll go longer. We'll stay longer. We'll, we'll have success if we master our communication. And that's what we need to do, all of us, is we need to have mastery in our communication. And, of course, there's... Our courses taught, secular courses, uh, courses taught at the universities that just teach on this how how to train your speech. I bought a book the other day. You might laugh. It was uh, twelve thousand words that you can say that make you seem smart. <laughs> I said, I need that. But then I got the book and I, I, I couldn't say hardly any of them. It was like, oh, I'm not going to look too smart if I stumble over that or don't know what it means. But I did buy the book thinking, if I just get one word, maybe it'll help. Hallelujah. So one, one thing we could do is, is our, by our sincerity is we could speak words to somebody that are either flattery or prophetic We can say, oh, the Lord loves you and he's going to do this to you. And yet we could have an agenda. Do you all believe this? We could have an agenda behind that that says, I am just putting you on. I am just trying to to set you up. It's not the spirit. It's not prophetic. It's just plain old flattery. And flattery, the Old Testament tells us, is uh, dangerous. And so you could do that. Uh, You could have gestures that are seductive. That'd be the flesh. Or you can have gestures where you don't say anything, but you lift your hands to God. And you just say, you you don't do anything, but you adore him, you worship him. Or you could just look around and you don't have anything in you to lift your hands, but everybody else is, so you just, you know, that would be empty, that would be flesh. But the spirit or the flesh is either way. So you could either manipulate by the flesh, or you could prophesy by the Holy Ghost, you could, you could say things that, that could go either way, and only you and them would know what was really said. Is that right? You can't go by what the word means. Proverbs 18, 16. Would you turn there with me so that you can mark it in your Bible? Proverbs 18, verse 16. So we're starting out the new year. Ministering on communication. So apparently it's important to get that in first for the things that are coming. I said apparently this is an imperative for what God wants to do tomorrow and the next day because we need to be able to hold on to whatever he's communicating and be able to handle it. It says in verse, uh, let's see, 1816, it says, uh, let's read it together, verse 16. Ready, read. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. So I'm talking about gifts this morning. Communication by gifts. And I waited till after Christmas because we don't want to get that thing bonked up. You don't want to have bought all your presents and go, you know, whatever agenda you had in them. There's lots of agendas at Christmas and birthday presents. We do, we do gift giving for a lot of reasons. Until we're completely in the spirit, we do all sorts of things with our gifts. Uh, I, Christmas is, depending on your group, your, your circle, your orbit, it's basically you give to me and I'll give to you and we'll, we'll see how good you did. And the key is to go away with more stuff than you had to give. That's, that would be carnal, but that's how it works a lot of times. And so, uh, and birthdays. Well, I gave you a birthday present back then. I'm expecting for you to come to my party and show up with a gift. And so that would be carnal, wouldn't it? I mean, it could be spiritual, but it could be carnal, even though you showed up with the exact same gift. But what's special is, I think, and this is what I endeavor to enter into, is when you just pick a day on the calendar. You just throw a dart backward onto a calendar And see where it landed and say, I will send my brother a gift on that day for no reason. As a matter of fact, I sent my brother a uh, watch one time. Very nice watch. It was my favorite watch. Uh, I really, really liked that watch. But I, I went and ordered one just like it, brand new, and I had it sent to him. And he said, well, thank you. I got a note. said, thank you, but why did you do this? What is your purpose in doing this? So right there you could tell that he had questioned my motives, my purpose, my reason. Because people just don't do that. It's not, it's not my birthday, it's not Christmas. But there's great power when you just bless somebody with a gift. Or if you give a gift on their birthday and they're not in some sort of birthday club with you. They're not your brother or your sister or your grandmother. They're just somebody. Even here at River Church, you just said, hey... I found out it's Madison's birthday and I saw this thing in the store and it fit her in my heart. And here we go. Boom. That is powerful. Because what does it say? It says God loves me. And he put he put it on the heart of somebody and God loves me. It's re- very, encouraging when it's not on an expected or a legal date. You know, uh, one time I sent someone uh, in my life a gift. And it was a uh, exactly a month after their birthday. And so I sent a hundred dollars to them, and they ask a friend of a mutual friend of ours. Why did he send this? He must have got my birthday mixed up and sent this because of my birthday. Or maybe he couldn't get he couldn't get around it. I just loved him. That it was just a blessing. But gifts are very, very powerful. Um, They can they can be powerful. Or they can be unpowerful. They could be manipulative. A man's gift makes. What does it say there? Uh, sixteen, eighteen. What what verse is it? Sixteen. 16. Well, here we go. You got to get on the right chapter. No, not sixteen, 18. eighteen. Eighteen, sixteen. There it is. A man's gift maketh room for him. Well, that's that's speaking. is uh, a wisdom nugget into our life that not just to pray and ask God restore this or not just hope that he'll do right or whatever. Send a gift to him and it'll change things. It maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. That's powerful. And you go, well, the God wouldn't do that. Sure he does because we like gifts. Just think about that. Just think about what you really like to have about your birthday is you can't wait till they bring presents. And you tell your husband, you better, you better produce. You better, you better ante up. You better pony up, because this is my birthday. So gift giving, I think we've neglected it and just said it's a part of our culture when the Bible says it's a part of the kingdom. And everything in our culture, like birthdays and Christmas, are just an extension of that. Santa Claus bringing presents. People don't like Santa Claus. And there are some things that you could say about this and that. You can do whatever you want with it. But uh, he's a gift giver. It's, it's hard to knock somebody that's, that's running around giving gifts and blessing people. You know, there's some logistics to it that you might not like. Uh, so I wrote down this. What are the kingdom purposes of giving? I want to know because I want to set my life to win. I don't want to have any do-overs in 22 where somebody got crossways with me because I just neglected them, and then I have to fix it. And you do have to fix it. You can't just say, I ah, up your nose with a rubber hose, because a lot of times it's family. You know, you, you can walk away from somebody at work or somebody, but family, it's like, no, you have to fix it. Well, we should fix it with everybody. So, uh, The who or what of gift-giving depends on the purpose of the gift. Fleshly, carnal, spiritual, Holy Ghost. What is the motive? What is the purpose behind your giving that? And I'm going to say that what you do in the purpose of your giving measures the level of relationship. I'm, I'm not sending birthday presents to the, the three little kids that live down the street. Matter of fact, you know, when they walk their dog and they stop at my yard, they think that's a, a drop-off spot of some kind. <laughs> you know, and it's like, ah, you, you parents, what are you going to do? But, so, so that's based on the level of relationship. But I really pour down like you do. I really get down with some people based on either I have a relationship or I want to speak or communicate that I want a relationship, I will begin it with words, natural words, occasionally here and there, but then I will speak it with a gift. And it's powerful. Now let me just tell you all about people. There's nothing else going on in the kingdom but people. People are everything. You think, well, I don't, I don't want to get along with people. I don't like them. They, they're always messing with me and they're always... It doesn't matter. We have to solve the people issue because it's all that's in the kingdom. Money's not in the kingdom. Money is just to make relationships. Healing is not in the kingdom. It's just to make you and I be able to do relationships. Promotion and in, everything that you can think of that is something we could preach on, you could do a study on, has to do with relationships. There's nothing else going on. It is the thing that's in the kingdom. And so we gotta, we got to pony up and, and do that. So how you give determines the expectation of why you gave. So if you just drop it off at their house, it's anonymous, that's a different relationship or a different expectation than if you say, well, I want to take you out to eat, and they sit down and you give them a gift, and you make a little fanfare about it. I looked everywhere for this one, and they were out of the red one, but I got the blue one, and I called, and they said they could get me this. And See, there's, a, there's an expectation of that, That's more than whatever. You're my cousin and we do this in our family or we draw names. And so our reward. I want a reward. I don't want to live my life in vain. People that say, "Ah, we don't want a reward. We just we just do it for God. They don't understand how it works. We are all reward oriented and he made us that way. So we we respond to rewards. We respond to gifts that are given to us or sent from us. And so a lot of the jockeying, if I can use that word, the navigating in our lives is with gifts. It's not that it has to be a big one. It just has to be a portion to the person we're giving it to and determined by how we give it. You go, what's the big deal? Close enough. Well, you're going to find out that close enough is not close enough that you can really make this thing turn towards you. So I said that Christmas is only as commercial as your and my communication. People gripe about Christmas. Oh, it's commercial. I hate it. I don't want to go do this. And my family makes me do that. All that is based on you. The level of Christmas that you have is what you communicate out of Christmas. So you can have bah humbug, a Scroogey attitude, or you can be Kris Kringle and you just give it to everybody. You stretch. I remember, I'm not advocating this, but back when I didn't have much money at all and I had children, it was so important for us to give gifts and just didn't know how to do it. But it was so important for me to impart to my sons gift giving that we'd go into debt. And we weren't the only ones. A lot of people do go into debt for Christmas. But it was like, nah, we don't don't believe in debt. I can't tell you what the right and wrong is that. Believing God would have been the right thing. But we just went into debt. We just slid the card and said, January's coming. We'll pay January and February and March. But it's essential that we communicate love and acceptance and that nobody in our family said, well, we're children of a pastor, therefore we didn't get nothing. That's how I grew up. We were children of a, of a farmer wannabe, and we didn't get much because he, he was buying land and drilling water wells. So giving was a low priority. But then we would come from Arizona out to our cousins in West Texas, and they had a lot more money than we did, and we would see what they got, and we were like, wow. And so it affected us. And it'd be wrong to say, not me, I, it doesn't affect me. You, you'd be wrong. It affects all of us, and we have to adjust to that. So Christmas is only as com- commercial as my attitude, my perspective, my communication at Christmas. It doesn't have to be a big gift. doesn't have to be to everybody, but it has to be with the right heart. And I believe, I'll show you in a minute, where God gives you the money or the wherewithal to give gifts because he wants you and me to have promotion and increase. And promotion and increase always comes by people. We don't please them, but they, they take us into a higher level. Uh, whether they want to or not, they, they do that. So I wrote down, what, what is Christmas? That's a really strong holiday in our American culture in a lot of places. Uh, Christmas is always about giving to increase good. Why do you and I give at Christmas or any other time? Well, our motivation besides that's Uncle Jack and he's got a lot of money and he looks pretty wobbly today and maybe I'm in his will and all that, you know, all that stuff. If you get past that, we always give to increase good. That's why we shop all over town. And, and get the last one, and, and upgrade it a little bit, is because we want to increase good. Goodwill, good atmosphere, good relationship. We want to... Y'all want Do y'all see that? It's to increase good. It's not like if you don't, the IRS will come after you. It's not like your family will shun you. It's just that we want to increase good. And in people that we don't want to increase good, we just let them... Get on Santa Claus's naughty list and we don't do anything. So uh, our agenda. Now, you've been through lots. You, you have small kids. You have medium kids. You have no kids, whatever. We've gone through a lot of cycles in our lives about Christmas or birthdays and different financial statuses and whatever. Sometimes the last kid in a three or four kid family he gets all the stuff because when you started out, mom and dad didn't have anything. But by the time 15 years goes by, they, they've yanked it up and, and this kid is getting, he's getting a motorcycle. And all we got was one of those paddle balls that has a little ball and a rubber band on it. That's what we got. And it's like, this is not fair, but it's based on what you have and what you want to do with what you have. So all of us and this is foundational, we all give according to a purpose. We all have an agenda when we give. Maybe you've never thought about that, but everyone on your list, if you give them better than you have an agenda for, you just don't want to be called out for it. In other words, you won't give two brothers something, but that nasty little middle child that we we don't like, we end up giving the same to them, don't we? Because we don't want the whole family raining down on us and talking to us about us and everything. So the size of the gift is not how generous you are. The cost of the gift is by communication. So you make a big deal about it. You find something that's small, like an ice cream card. It's very small. $3.29. Very small. But the presentation, you, you write a card with that and say... Man, you're, you're special to me. It doesn't matter that it's just a $3 card. It doesn't matter that it's not a loose diamond that they can put in their new ring or whatever. What matters is the communication that determines the outcome. And we think it doesn't. We think it doesn't matter if I give to them or not. It's a lot of work. And it is. And it's a lot of trouble. And it is. And it's a lot of money if you get everybody. And it is. But that's all life is. There's nothing else to life except people. And until we get that, until we say, that is the truth, I'm going to refocus. I'm going to turn my life to over here. We're going to have a limited, carnal, worldly, natural life. Even though we're going to heaven. Yay. So I wrote this down. I'm just telling you all what I wrote down. So if you give in gesture, if you make a big deal about it, oh, your birthday, oh, everything, but you withhold spirit words, the giving fails. Say, it fails. It fails. It fails. Now, I've had, I, I, I kind of hate to bring this up, but I've had uh, presentations of people, even way back in a church, where they kind of want to do something for the pastor, and uh, they got the gesture together, oh, pastor, you're you're, you're so good, but they would not speak spirit words. So it was a gift without words. And a gift without words is no honor. It's a lack of honor. Honor is defined by words and gifts because words are cheap. Gifts are hollow. You know, how many fathers have neglected their kids raising them, but they always brought a pony home to make up for it, to be... And it was hollow. The kids always know, yeah, dad brought this. But it didn't mean much because He never was around. All we wanted was Him. Amen. So if you give in gesture and word but withhold the Spirit, you give in gesture, you make a big deal, and you, you, you speak the right words, but you withhold the Spirit. Everybody knows, they know and you know that it's hollow. It's just, I'm doing this because it's your birthday. Then it's failure. Wouldn't this be good to have in our lives? Then uh, if you give with words, but withhold gestures. Now, I'm a hugger. Uh, not everybody likes that, but that's who I am. So I just, I just, I, I'm going to grab you and swallow you up and everything. I have a lot of gestures. But if you don't have anything to say, or if you don't have anything to give, then it's a hollow gesture. You're just kind of pansy. <laughs> as it were. So a lot of people want, uh, let's just get this basic, they want the fairy tale. Do you all know anybody, do you know yourself, that says, I want the max for the minimum. I want the fairy tale without the cost. I want relationships with all these people. And people do complain in America that it's a great complaint, I don't have any friends. And I'm in here this morning to fix that. Not to tell you what to buy or who to buy it for, but you just to say... I want the fairy tale. I want all these friends, and I have to pay. I have to get them gifts. I have to speak words to them, and I have to gesture to them. Sometimes you just make a phone call. You just call and say, hey, well, that's, that's a spirit thing. That's something you go, I bless you. The Lord just told me, I called someone yesterday that the Lord had put on my heart in the night. And I called him and said, the Lord put you on my heart last night. I'm calling you. And he said, you don't have any idea what that means to me. It was way beyond me. It was that the Lord put him on my heart and and he he knew that God was thinking of him. It was powerful. And yet all I did was call him and say, how are you all doing? What's going on? And so uh, you got to go all in. Say all in. all in. It's all in. If you're not all in, you're a cheapskate. If you're not all in, you're hollow. If you're not all in, you're manipulative or you're uh, You're trying to get the max from the minimum. You're like, how can I get this and not really do this? And you're just like, ah, there's plenty more where that came from. And that's the other thing I want to say. When you get into this, there's plenty more where that came from. I wrote a scripture down in Ephesians 6, 8 that says, Whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. There's another scripture in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, 9, about verse 12 that says he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So if you're a sower, a gift giver, he likes that. It increases his kingdom. He's, he's built that into the kingdom and he'll replace it. He'll, he'll give you the seed that you need. Now, two reasons. I'm, I'm going to quit with this. There's two reasons we all give. Number one, we give because of obedience. The Lord speaks to you and says, I want this transaction. I want this communication. I want you to do this. Call them, write to them, uh, receive them, whatever. I want to do this. And you go, yes, Lord, I will do. I will obey. But the second reason we give, which is more dangerous, but we give also because we just want to demonstrate the good of God that's in us. We just like to give. And if you're born again, you like to give. It's in you to give. And so we give. Giving gifts is powerful. Now, I have no agenda. We've already received the offering and all that. I I have no agenda. This is just good, good foundation. Because we already want to give. We already want to do what God says. We just don't know what, sometimes how that works. Uh, so you've got to say, I want a pathway of promotion. And we do that by giving. Giving gifts. Now, the reason that's an issue or a problem sometimes is because we're thinking about what we have need of. And sometimes you give stuff. Oh, people have, have refused to give to River Church over the years. And it came back to us. Well, we're not giving to him. He's driving better and he's living in better than we are. And there's got to be an equity here or something. Well, it didn't hurt me because I was still driving better and living in better. But it stopped their flow yeah. that they couldn't get in and rejoice with me and the prosperity that I have and say, I want a little dab of that. <laughs> I want to get a hold of that. So, yay. So, I'm a gift giver. I'm a gift giver. I'm conscientious, I'm aware, I'm attentive to what other people could need or want. It's certainly not need. Are y'all hard to buy for for Christmas now? You're so blessed that people say, what can I give Barry? What can I give Garland? They certainly say it about me. What? And he buys everything he wants that's in my price range. What could it be? So they have to surprise me. And sometimes they do really well. I get things that I never knew I really liked and wanted and needed. And sometimes not so much. <laughs> you got the little Jesus is Lord bracket to put on your wall or, or whatever. And you're plumb out of wall space or whatever. But, but their heart is right. And so you celebrate the gift for their sake. It doesn't really matter. They really thought that's what you would want. Um, my family out in West Texas... They used to give uh, things, and they would give religious or spiritual gifts because they thought, well, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day all the time. He, you know, he, he wouldn't want a pocket knife. He's spiritual. He wants a Bible or, a, or whatever. And it's like, no, give me the pocket knife. I want the pocket knife. I got the Bible. Do you all see what I mean? So you don't have to wait until they have a need. You just say, and I do this all the time. I'm just telling you how I do it is I'm always looking at things in a store or in a catalog or online. I'm always looking and perusing a list in my head about who's on my orbit, who's in my circle, who's in my life. And I'll tell Debra Ann, he needs this. Especially if it's hard, a hard-to-find person, like my little brother. He's, he's got everything. It's like, oh, I found something. I found something. And so I get it for him and just send it to him. His birthday's in January, and I just send it to him in May. And it shocks them. Why? What's this for? Amen. Let's have an amazing 22. We already know what sin is. We already don't want to do things that are contrary to the kingdom. We want to tweak our lives so that whatever we do is already easy and natural. It's just what we do, and it pulls in. It increases us in the kingdom so we can be used by the King. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yay. Well, I bless you in the name of Jesus that God would give each one of us supernatural revelation, which that's all there is, on what to do with this truth, how to apply it, each one of us differently, to different people, different items at different times, and whose relationship could be changed by this communication of God's love. We're we're demonstrating God's love, and then we're demonstrating our love. So Lord, help us be attentive to who's in our circle, because that's who we're supposed to help, and who we can change their life and just be living a normal Christian life. It's not even hard. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you.